Welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, Rockin' Life After Divorce. And today we have Noam Rauscher. Is that how you say your name? Yeah, actually, Noam Rauscher. Yeah, you did great. Oh, Thank cool. You. It is awesome to have you here. We got to know each other on Clubhouse. And you mentioned that you specialize in men's health through a holistic approach that engages mind, body, and soul. That sounds very interesting. And uh, the Rockin' Life podcast, I started in August last year, and it's so much fun to share stories about people that have navigated divorce, navigated life, the journey of life, and uh, done it in a good way. And here comes a short announcement for the Rockin' Life After Divorce podcast. I started this podcast in August last year, and I've interviewed over 40 people so far. And I'm going to continue doing this the rest of my life. And uh, if you're interested in joining our Facebook group, it's for men that's going through divorce or have gone through divorce and want support. The Facebook group is Rockin' Life After Divorce, and it's for men only. We have support there. We have a weekly training, etc. If you're lonely, if you're going through loneliness, it seems like every single one that's going through divorce, every week at 10 central time, I have a workshop on Zoom to learn the skills of connecting to gain close friendships and how to do that. That's something that it's a skill. It's not something you're born with. And uh, what are the tools and how do you gain these amazing friends and how are you becoming a great friend? Because if you want good friends, you need to be a good friend yourself too. And last but not least, if you want to support this podcast, in the link below, there's an area where you can just click a link and support with a coffee, for example, five bucks a month. Or if you want to support on a monthly basis, that would mean a lot to me, cover some of the costs and also to be able to employ a part-time assistant to help out with the editing so I can keep pushing out the, the podcast on a more regular basis because right now I'm up to about uh, 300 weekly listeners, which is amazing and it's continuing to grow. And uh, I'm going to continue doing this for the rest of my life. It's so much fun. I want to support you all that's going through divorce, that have all the struggles. But with this support, I believe that's one tool that will help you through this. So that's it for today. You take care. And I really love to hear a little bit more about you. And you're going to share a little story here uh, while you've been navigating life here. Yeah. So there was, uh, there was one night when I was going through my divorce and I'd already been going to my men's group for, I want to say about a year now. And it was only a 15 minute walk from my house. It was really lovely. I would head out at seven o'clock and walk over there just as the sun was going down at that time of year. And I got there and I was already really upset. I had a lot on my mind and everyone just takes a moment to breathe and reflect. And, and I actually couldn't get through that. I was so off at that time. At the moment we started, I started to cry. I started to break down. I was an overflowing vessel at that point. There was nothing I could do to really keep it in. And from that moment on, the guys just held me. There was an elder in the group named Steven who had been doing men's work for decades. And so he just took me and he did a practice with me in which he let me just pour it all out, just pour out everything that I was feeling, the tears, the anger, lots of curse words. I must have cleared my throat dry as a result of just screaming so much and cursing so much. I just needed to get that anger out. And the best thing to do was have the space for it. And so I went and I just did everything I possibly could to empty myself of what I was feeling. 
and they created space for that. They even gave me a chance to do blessings as a result of it, to think about how I would take responsibility or how I would take control of the moment and do something about it rather than just let myself be completely overwhelmed by it. And I went in there and I just screamed. I must have screamed for 20 minutes straight and they just heard me and they just held me and they let me pour it all out. And I left that moment certainly very sad, but not as angry and certainly felt much more capable of going through what I was going through because at that point I realized I had a real resource to draw on, a community to be part of and people who cared for me in the process who really saw me. And that was just a wonderful reminder that despite the pain I was going through, that I could still be loved in that way and that people would still care for me. That is so awesome to hear that you have the community. I say that all the time in the podcast. One of the most important things is to have community, to have people around you that can support you through this process of divorce. You cannot do it yourself. It, it is impossible. You have to have friends. You have to have a counselor or a coach or a mentor or all their above to help you through this process. Uh, a lot of people that try to do it themselves, they go down a, a vicious spiral and end up years and years later in a much worse place. I love that you have reached out. I think especially for men, we have a tendency not asking for help and being able to reach out Ask a buddy that you trust, I usually yeah. preface trust, yeah. that you can share your hurts with. And uh, that's, for me, it was the same thing. I have pretty early on, I had two friends that I could be able to talk to. I could uh, share my hurts. I could share anything with them. And uh, it was one of the most important things. And I also was roommating with one of the guys, and he was going through a divorce as well. It was a really good way to be able to talk and share and now, when you were going through the divorce, for me, it was definitely the most difficult thing I've ever done in my whole life. And it was a journey. I call, usually call it navigating. I usually compare it to being in a, a rowboat in the middle of the ocean and you're rowing. And I didn't feel I was making progress early on in the divorce, probably the first year, maybe a year and a half. Yes. It, it, it was very difficult. And I, I was the same thing. I was so distraught. I was so sad. I... I had a lot of problems with a difficult divorce, friction in the divorce, not being able to see the kids uh, for a long time, sometimes months, and a lot of loneliness, depression. And I hear a lot of people have suicidal thoughts, etc. Is that something that you had to deal with? So I didn't necessarily deal with suicidal thoughts. I certainly was down in a really dark place. There's no question about it. There were a lot of questions about self-worth, a lot of questions about my own intelligence, my own capabilities and just general confusion about divorce and what life was supposed to be like beyond that. It was a really confusing time and a very scary scenario, which is why the, you know, the story that I told you with was really so important. I, I am the type of person who likes to isolate naturally. I like to be alone for as much as I like talking with people. I also very much value my alone time and my solitude. So part of this pandemic has actually been really good for me, but I think I've also hit a wall in that way that even being an introvert in certain ways, I need to be social and, and be with people. And so I knew that I was going to need to reach out. I couldn't do it alone because the story that I opened with, I don't think it, had I gone there and really been able to process those things and get them out, I would have held them all inside. Just imagine what that would feel like. It's loud and ugly and scary. And it's supposed to be, that's okay. In the context of a safe space, you can be whatever you want and nobody will judge you. But if you can only imagine how ugly that is on the outside and how loud and scary that is on the outside, what that would feel like on the inside if it were just kept in there, what yeah. that would really turn into. And I felt very lucky at that time to have a place to go to. 
I think about guys all the time who just go through divorce and maybe you know, just throw in the towel from the beginning because they don't want any drama. And so they don't think about what they could actually get for it because that impacts their steps of life post-divorce, right? And they think about all the decisions they should have made, but didn't um, because yeah. they just wanted to throw in the towel or because they isolate and didn't bother to really ask people and just think that they can solve it on their own. Right? Yeah. I'll get a lawyer, I'll do what I have to do, and it'll just be really that simple. And that was part of my mentality. I didn't know anything about divorce coaches or financial planners or anything like that, that could help in the whole process. I went to a forensic accountant just because I wanted to be sure about my money. But really, yeah, it was all me. And had I not at least had that group to reach out to spiritually and emotionally, forget about like strategically in relation to the divorce, but just having them as a place to go spiritually and emotionally was crucial. You can get through the divorce financially. You can get through the divorce socially in terms of do you have friends or what's the relationship like with your ex and all that stuff. But then the question is, can you get through the divorce spiritually and yeah, emotionally yeah. and as an individual? And Definitely. what is that like for you and how does it impact you and all the other people in your life? Yeah. Was that the group that you were already in at yes. the time of the divorce? Yeah. That's very powerful because I, I did not have that support. I did have a Bible study, but I, I didn't really feel I was comfortable sharing. And we talked about that a little bit before. Uh, I had so much shame about going back to church to share about this. I did share about it, but a lot of times it's shame about talking about divorce in a religious setting. Yeah. And you're Jewish and uh, I'm a Christian. And going back to church, I felt so much shame about that and uh, having to deal with that. But what I did, I went to a counselor. One of the best things I did was actually to get a counselor. And we actually wrote that in our divorce decree for the kids to go through counseling too. Yeah. And shared with her, I am so lonely. I was so really uh, struggling. And yeah. she just told me, reach out to a few people. And that's definitely one of the best advices I got to reach out. So you don't, if you don't have somebody or, or a friend or a group like you did, reach out to people to get that help you need. And, and especially for us men, I think there's a lot of pride in there asking for help. There's a lot of pride. There's also the refusal and reluctance to admit pain. Yeah. There could be a lot of guys that could wander through the scenario being like, oh, this is all her fault. This isn't anything. If I have to get a lawyer and write a check, then fine, I'll get a lawyer and write a check. But that's about it. Because uh, yeah. there's nothing really else big to deal here, to deal with here. And I don't feel anything because I'm just, this is all her problem. That's a really limited worldview of how you end up walking through the world. You have to realize that you are impacted by things. Even if you can't tell initially, you have to be aware enough in some way to say, how are these events affecting my life? And what can I do about it so that it doesn't cause me to be chaotic in myself and also therefore create chaos in other people's lives? There's a a wonderful expression that I've heard recently, which is that hurt people. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, the, I don't think there's any way that anyone goes through divorce without being hurt in some way, unless it's completely mysteriously amicable and positive from the beginning. And I would suggest those are probably few and far between, but to think that like you're not hurt in the process and that you don't have pain, I think you're suggesting that you're superhuman in some way. And that's just not realistic either. And so what does it mean to acknowledge that you've been pained? And that's legitimate and valid. And then what do you do about that pain that's really healthy and constructive so that you're not constantly this broken person? Yeah. I think divorce can actually be something very positive. I'm not for divorce. And I know you wrote that as well. You're not for divorce. And I think if you happen to end up in divorce, I think you can actually turn it into one of the best things that actually did happen to you. It becomes, for me, a catalyst to wake up call to check in and where are you going on this life journey? 
And it's definitely been a positive upward spiral because I did get the help. I, get, I got uh, a mentor, I got a coach, and I got a counselor. I got people around me to support me in this process. And I definitely had issues that I had to deal with that I have dealt with, these gremlins, whatever you want to call them. And uh, now as a man, why do men need each other? You're talking about this in uh, the group. You had an awesome group. What do you call that? My group is through the Mankind Project, which is an international organization. They have men's groups in every country. I'm one of the representatives for the Los Angeles region. So if a guy comes and is looking for a new group, they reach out and I'm the one who helps find them those meetings to go to. And the value is that... Men often feel a real sense of warrior, I would say tribesmen, uh, teammate energy between them, that there's something about being a, brothers, a brother in arms with someone, about walking through you know, a battle with someone, going through diff- something difficult with someone that really bonds men to one another. It removes all these preconceived notions we have with one another. I wonder if it comes from just a basic kind of survivalist instinct that we have from a hunters and gatherers perspective. To an extent, when you're on the hunt, you might be on your own, right? So who's going to have your back? When you go in there to potentially life-threatening scenarios, is it going to be you against that scenario or is it going to be a group of you against that scenario? And so that can be a real daunting thing. And I wonder if the result of going through something difficult with other men bonds them because they realize ultimately in the end that someone will have their back, that they don't have to have a solitary and lonesome experience in the world. And that especially when things get scary or life-threatening, that there will be other people there who won't run away, that they won't have to be the only one running into the fire. There is something to be said about being the knight in shining armor who rides out there to save the damsel in distress, but he's also doing it alone. So to think yeah. that he's not impacted or frightened by the process as well, I mean, even at least the damsel in distress is someone coming to get her. That's the whole point. She realizes she's not alone, but who comes to help the knight? And the knight has to do it all alone. And yeah. so I think when men see themselves as part of something greater than themselves, as part of a team, as part of a tribe, they get a sense of real, I would say, fraternal kinship, this feeling of brotherly bonding with one another that you can't get anywhere else, or at least... When it's manufactured in fake environments, let's say, I would say like Greek life in colleges where they call you a brother, but what they do is they make you do ridiculous things to prove your loyalty as opposed to things that really matter, that have real value in the world, that affirm that you're a human being as opposed to a pledge. You you get a greater sense of being part of something that's really important and meaningful and knowing that people will really have your back in that way can... I think, open up the world. And and that's something I noticed. I can't tell you how many women I know have text chats with their friends. They're just always reaching out to and goofing off around. And then they're also talking about real serious things. Women naturally have other people that they call on. And I don't know what kind of mechanisms we have in society that allow for that, but that's certainly not the first inclination of a guy. It's not, oh, let me go on my text messages and start goofing around with my friends about this. No, exactly. Uh, and that's another thing that out. I learned about myself because I was definitely, I'm an introvert myself. I, I love social settings, but I definitely need a, a place to be by myself and recharge. But uh, I was never, I didn't have these friends that I could talk to about anything, having these deep, awesome friendships with guys. And uh, through the divorce process, that's actually something that I gained. These two guys that I started sharing with we became so close. We can talk about anything and we still hang out every week. Um, either we, we call each other, we talk and, and go out, play golf, whatever. 
And that, that's an outcome out of the divorce that I, I think is so awesome. And also being able to be me, I, I definitely had a lot of masks up and to be able to be myself, to, I had to rediscover me. I had to start realizing, okay, uh, it's okay to be me. It's, I don't have to pr pretend to be perfect, etc. And I don't know, did you have to go through any of that kind of like evolution of yourself or things that you learned about yourself that you didn't know before the divorce? Yes, I, that's huge. Uh, and I really love the simple story you just sh shared of going out with guys and playing golf and hanging out really is just that simple, how fruitful it really can be. Just the idea of being around other people and feeling like a, a normal human being is what's really important. I think that was one of the biggest evolutions that I went through was recognizing that um, divorce was an event, right? It does, no. It's not who I am, no. but I am in a period of my life where I'm trying to make meaning over it. And so the more I think about what it was like to be married, what it was like to bring myself to that marriage, what it was like to bring myself to other relationships and be in relationships and expect other things from other people or what I was going to tolerate from other people, what boundaries I had, it certainly was a very eye-opening experience to say, okay, so now that I've had an opportunity to start over, marriage is such a big thing that it's, we do this and now we're going off on that track in life and we're going to live that track until there's no more track or we're going to go on and keep making the track, whatever it is. But, you know, then you get to another just life altering moment like divorce and you do get a chance to say, okay, what am I going to do things differently now? Because life is on pause. I can go into major or big things in my life with this whole new sense of renewal about it. And so there's been this period of drawing back and just creating an open space for things to be. And so that's what I've done is I've just drawn back a little bit in terms of what I really want my life to take a much more kind of, say, 10,000 foot perspective, the forest from the trees, to explore what the whole forest looks like and to see where I actually really want to be when it comes down to it. So this has been a fantastic period for me to just get perspective and find meaning in this whole thing rather than be defined completely by the event. Yeah. And I can relate so much. I myself had... It, it, being married and having four kids, having a very busy schedule, having a, your own company, everything was so busy all the time. And I didn't have the time to reflect. It, it was definitely also that I didn't put into the marriage what I should have put in. It was, you weren't fertilizing your relationship, etc. And uh, that's definitely a, a big learning. I have been able to get that time now because I, first of all, I don't have the kids as much and I've had time to find myself in the way to be able to figure out, okay, who am I and what's the rest of my life going to be like? This future, looking forward to an awesome future, which is, I think, really awesome. You also mentioned that helping others, that's something I'm a proponent of, especially when you go through struggle. And it's part of the 12-step program too. For example, if you go through having problems with drugs and alcohol, the 12th step is to start helping others. And uh, it's such much healing in that when you get out of yourself. Because if you're sitting by yourself and thinking bad thoughts, you're not going to get a good traction forward. But even a lot of times you might not feel like it to go out and help other people. But it's one of the most powerful things to be able to get out of yourself. Is that something that you've been doing? Or I know now you're helping people and your divorce happened like a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. First of all, you've touched on so much and I want to address from the get-go that I just noticed you're wearing a shirt that says faith over fear. 
and I'm wearing a shirt that says hope with a big peace sign in the middle. So those are really two good qualities to have when you're going through a moment like this. And I'll say why. It's because divorce is a death. It's not just a death of a marriage, but it's a death of the way you thought your life was going to be. It's a death of the family circumstance that you have. It's a death of how you define yourself. And I had always thought of myself as being a family man who was married, right? And had this whole kind of family around him and coming to realize that's not the way it's turning out, at least not the way that I had hoped. And maybe it will, it's some other permutation in my life, but at least not right now. And I think, and it's not only a death of those things outside of us, there's also a death of something within us. It's almost like we died in some way. And so you have to go through that death yourself, right? The beauty of it is that you're not actually dead, right? It's only a spiritual death. It's not a physical death. And when you go through a spiritual death, you do have time, I think, to reinvent yourself. But that only happened, like I only got reminded, right, of the faith and the hope that I need to have when I started reaching outside of myself. That's why the groups are so important, because I think we get like this feedback loop in our head. In fact, I know we do, right? We have cognitive distortions and we have feedback loops, which just constantly perpetuate those things. We talk about the idea of Pharaoh in Egypt. This is a faith-based podcast. I can reference the Bible. This is a guy who has a hard heart. Why does he keep having a hard heart? Because he keeps saying no. So of course, that loop in his head that says, no, you can't let people go. You can't provide freedom to things, of course, calcifies his heart and makes it harder. And the same is true for all of us. We think in one way, it's a no, right? I can only do this sort of thing. So our hearts get set in such a way that it's hard to be moved by that. And so do our brains. That's really scary. And that could be really detrimental. I can't think of probably how many people who slip into depression right? And obsessive compulsive thoughts because they can't break that feedback loop. So being in the men's group takes you out of that and says like, hold on a second, you got people around you who love you. And it says, you got a lot of resources inside to draw on. This may be a really shitty moment in time, but you have a lot of amazing internal resources that you can draw on to get you through this. And it's the moment I think in which you break that loop that when it comes up again, other people, or at least other times that happens, you'll be able to break it again. And you'll be able to say, okay, this loop is happening and I can step outside of it and see that loop happening, but I'm not going to succumb to it. I'm not going to actually believe what it says. I'm going to move past it. So for me, breaking that was how I was able to step outside of that mentality and remind myself that there were still things, that faith that I had in myself and hope that there was going to be something different beyond this and that I wasn't actually dead, even if part of me was dying. Yeah. Yeah. I totally feel the same way about divorce being a kind of a death. It's, uh, and in a way, it can also be, I think, much harder than mourning. My dad died way too early, 20 years ago, and it was definitely a very difficult thing to go through, to have a loved one die. But it was de- an end to it. And especially if you have a lot of strife in the divorce, I think it can be a le- like a prolonged mourning process that can be very difficult mm-hmm. to go through. Huge. And, and what you said, I like that too. Uh, I had to deal with blind spots. And uh, a lot of times you have blind spots. Anytime you have conflict, you're going to have two parties, two different views, tif- different perspectives. And to have a third party, having a friend, counselor, a coach, a mentor that can call you out on your BS when you, you go through this. Because when you're in fear mode, a lot of times you don't act rationally. You don't do what you actually would do in a normal setting. And that's why it's crucial to have other people around you, people that you trust, that you can depend on to call you out on the the stuff that you know is not right. And it can be very difficult. Is that something that you had to deal with? 
Yeah, actually. I, and I have a buddy in my men's group who I constantly go to, Greg. If I had a problem, if I was really concerned about a decision that I, would making, that I was making, I'd talk about it with him. And I know one of the first things he would ask me or try to suss out as to whether or not I was responding to it from fear. And this is something that he meditates on a regular basis. And so he can pull it out of people's conversations. But exactly, that's what you need is a real friend who's going to call you on the bullshit. Or at least yeah. remind you of what your internal bullshit is in a real loving way to say, hey, man, I know this isn't really you. This is a difficult scenario. And so what I see in you is a lot of fear. But what I also know is there's a lot of amazing strength and resourcefulness and grit and resilience so that even if you are a little afraid, you don't have to be controlled by it. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with being afraid, no. but it's making the decision from a fear-based you know, perspective that is, I think, problematic. Yeah. And uh, overreacting. Like uh, a lot of times when I got the emails from my ex, I, I just decided early on to not yeah. respond right away. And we didn't do texting. We, we just, right. uh, I usually waited 24 hours before I responded. I, I would write the, the email, but then I wouldn't send it and then reread it the next day and say, uh oh, I can't send this. I'll just totally reread it and then do the same thing again. It's like a lot of times you just react and all these reactions, a lot of times can mess up a lot of stuff because then it'll be this back and forth war. And that's definitely another thing. And you work a lot with men. Yeah. So what are the things men should be concerned about? Here comes a short announcement. And I just wanted to encourage you to share this podcast with anyone that you know are navigating divorce, this difficult journey, or if it's someone that you know that have gone through divorce in the past and are still not living a fulfilling, awesome life, please share this podcast with them. Share them on social media or other ways to gain more listeners to the podcast. I currently have about 300 weekly listeners. My goal by the end of this year is to have at least a thousand weekly listeners and you are the one that can speak for me to share this. And the reason why I am making this podcast is to be able to gain hope for people that are navigating divorce. Thank you so much for being a listener and being there all the time. Also, if you want to give a gift to be able to support this podcast, in the link below, you can click on support and maybe give $5 a month to coffee per month and support the podcast or more if you feel that this is supporting you. Thank you so much. Back to the podcast. First uh, and foremost, I would definitely be concerned as to whether or not they have, we've been talking about a real community around them that's going to be there for them. And yeah. I'm not just talking about best friends from high school or something like that. who's going to take a baseball bat to someone else's car if they need to. That's not what I'm really talking about. What I'm really talking about are soldiers or brothers who are going to be there for you when it gets really ugly, when you're not at your best, when you need someone to help pick you up, who aren't going to say things like, shut up and be a man, right? Who are going to mm -hmm. remind you that it's okay to break, that it's okay to fall and cry and to be in pain and to be weak and who are going to love you for it despite that. So having that and also recognizing within that, that it's one thing to have that community, but are you also isolating? Right? Are you keeping yourself from sharing things with people? Are you burying it all deep down inside because you don't want to deal with pain or you don't know how to deal with pain? What is it that you're doing to numb yourself out from it to avoid it? And so are you confronting pain? Do you feel it? 
and how is it impacting you in the larger scheme of things? And then the last thing I would probably say is, how are you caring for yourself? Guys have a tendency of not necessarily doing that so easily because we're supposed to be the providers. So we're always sacrificing things. And so if you're caring for yourself, if you're aware of the ways in which you provide yourself love, in which you provide yourself patience or compassion and self-compassion over self-confidence is actually really important in scenarios like this. And if you can do that, if you can find a way to really be observant of how you're caring for yourself and how aware you are of caring for yourself, that may also lead to breaking the isolation, right? Recognizing that you need to share your pain and experience the pain. And then also recognizing, do I have places to go to? Do I have people who care for me, the individuals as professionals, a lawyer, a therapist, or coach, something like that? And do I also have that social circle around me that will really be there for me and call me out on my bullshit and remind me of how beautiful I really am and just be there for me and support me like I would need going through a really difficult and confusing scenario? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that. We've touched on so many awesome things on this podcast. And uh, I usually also want to hear, I know that you work with men in, in particular about going through divorce as a coach. And is it something that you feel that if you have a, a person right now going through divorce, like similar as you were initially in the divorce, dealing with loneliness, depression, suicidal thoughts, what are the, the steps that you would recommend this guy? He's, he's listening right now to you. What would you say to this guy? Let me just uh, make sure I got this. My beautiful son walked in here to show me an art project that he was working on. So I got a little <laughs> distracted, but it sounds like what you're asking is if there's a man going through a divorce that's listening to this, you're curious about what would be the, the first set of advice that I would give him, that sort of thing? Yeah, you can speak to him right now. He's listening right now. So I'd probably say what do you really want from all this? I want you to think, let's say, even just short term, two, three years, maybe even five, right? What is it that you want from all this? Because we can't necessarily predict what's going to happen to us in our life. We have very little control over that. We have control, and this is something that coaches will say all the time. You have little control over what happens to you in life. You have much more control about how you respond to it. Yeah. So this is about what do you want to do now seeing right? That there is a major event in your life that you can't really escape. And you don't have to be paralyzed by it. You don't have to be afraid by it. And even if you are, that's okay, but you don't have to be controlled by that fear. So what is it that you really want to do with it? Because you may see it as a closure, right? It's the closing of a marriage, it's the closing of the family life. And in that way, what else is there? But there is an also an opportunity to say that this is an opening, that it provides you a new path in different ways. And so which path do you want to walk? Do you want to walk one that is unhealthy, that's filled with a lot of emotional baggage and probably compacted emotions as well? Do you want one in which there's alienation between family and friends? Do you want one where you're still happy and exploring love afterwards? And if you have kids involved, how do you want them impacted by all this? If you think carefully about all that stuff, that will shape the next few years. And for as difficult as it can be, thinking carefully about what that step, what those steps are and creating a map for yourself will enable you to get through it with much more grace, with dignity, and also with a sense of strategy and control for something that feels so uncontrollable and confusing. Yeah, that's good. And I know that we all have, it's like a roller coaster going through divorce. And I did, I made a bunch of mistakes going through the divorce and early on. Is that something that you picked up? Was there anything that you feel that, okay, this is something I really messed up on and I would have done different? 
Certainly. Yeah. There were certainly elements where I've done a lot of reflecting uh, and thought about what I brought to the table, how I wasn't a good partner, how I may have been short with other people and allowing my anger to flare up when at times it wasn't needed to flare up and how what I was caring for myself and how did that impact things? Was I just giving and giving and giving and giving and didn't step back to take anything for myself because I think I was feeling a certain amount of resentment in that way. And I think that resentment also came up just in other ugly behaviors, right? Things I did to cope or things I did to respond to the resentment without it being the right thing to do, the right way to do it. And so thinking more carefully now about what I bring to the table, about the presence I have in a relationship and a family, and also what I can do about it has been really crucial. But I also remind myself that it takes two to tango, right? I brought stuff to the table and so did my ex, right? Stuff that I didn't like either. And I think it's a matter of learning much more about how to manage relationships, right? And realizing how sacred they are and what the difficult work that's necessary to maintain that sanctity. So do you have any tips to, uh, you share that your your relationship to your ex is fairly good. And how do you keep a good like uh, relationship or amicable relationship with your ex? Do you have any good tips there? Yeah, I think I think part of it depends on your perspective of relationships. I think part of it depends on your perspective on kids, right? If you don't have kids and you're going through a divorce, okay, so that's one thing. You've got like a major thing off the table that you don't need to worry about. You know, and admittedly, I think that's also what creates the most tension yep. is that you, you know, now need to interact with someone who you could possibly be heartbroken by and pained by. And you're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that person. And I'm moving on now. They're out of my life. I can do that. But they're only halfway moved on because you're always going to have kids. And yep. if you want to have grandkids and if you want to preserve in some way this idea of having a family, even if it is you know, somewhat different from the norm. And let's be honest, there are a lot of divorced families out there, right? 50% yeah. of marriages still end in divorce. So we're not talking this about this being a rarity. We're talking about this being a normalized thing. And yet we still add a lot of shame to it to remind everyone that divorce is as old as marriage, biblically speaking, it's yeah. right yeah. in there. Yeah. So, you know, but thinking carefully about what you want to do is really crucial. And I'm losing my train of thought as I, as you said this, but it was what I brought to the table, I think. No, it's about keeping your um, amicable relationship to your ex while co-parenting. Right, right. So thinking about it, if you have kids in there, right, then that makes a whole lot of difference. If you want to think about kids and grandkids and what your family life looks like 20 years down the road when you're a grandparent, you're an old person then you need to think carefully about the relationship you're doing now. That's not to say it's easy. It's really yeah. difficult. I think my ex and I, we have a friendly relationship, right? Yeah. Are we friends? No, but uh, we do have a friendly relationship. And I think that's what really matters now because it really is much more about coming together and being able to make decisions for the boys because that's what we need to do. Yeah. Uh, and the irony is that communication and divorce can almost be 10 times harder than communication and marriage. Because you need to be, you need to know what to say, you need to know how to say it, and you need to know how to do it without getting so emotionally wrapped up in things. And there's a weirdness to it because you're like, well, I was married to this person, so why can't I just be myself? But no, now you have to change a little bit in order to meet the other person halfway in different ways. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's for myself, it's been a lot of strife and, and very difficult communicating. And it's uh, definitely brought a lot of 
fear into the relationship for over the time and it's been been a long time and still a lot of fear in the relationship but i know initially in the in our divorce it was a lot me to that i responded the wrong way initially in the divorce i didn't start the divorce but my ex started the divorce with a lot of accusations and then i responded in a poor way and a lot of these accusations back and forth i've i've really turned this into a bad spot it's been definitely difficult it's really Another thing, easy to, it's really easy to play emotional boomerang because you just want to bing bing and i gotta be right when really the only right thing to do is not to create drama yeah exactly just uh, to round off this podcast we had such a great conversation here another thing that i really learned about myself is to love yourself uh, i did not spend time helping myself and see I, you mentioned a little bit about pouring out to other people but not taking care of you i think that's one of the most important things in life to take care of you first it's like when you sit in an airplane first you put the mask on you and then the the people around you and to go through divorce i think one of the most important things is to take care of you for me for example i started getting counseling i got a, a coach and a mentor very early on which was life saving it was definitely one of the most important things i also started to explore the things i love to do i started playing tennis again i hadn't played tennis for 30 years i started playing golf again i started getting friends through these organic ways i started going back to small group at church etc is that something that you did and what do you think about that that I think is part of one of the beauties of this whole thing, right? When it comes to divorce, right? Depending on your custody schedule, you essentially could have a vacation every other week. And the open time just to think about different things that you can do is huge. It's crucial. And, and I got to say the metaphor that you're using in terms of caring for yourself, right? The mask on yourself before you put it on the kids from the airplane. I learned that when I was in high school, I learned that when I was a camp counselor and the like, director lady came and said, you got to care for yourself. And so it really feels good to know that other people know that metaphor and that it's still like being used. There's a real truism to it that you have to care for yourself in that way. Certainly getting back into fitness was really good for me and reminding me about my strength and my agility and my abilities and certainly looking at my body, right? Being more muscular in certain ways reminds you of your own sexiness and what you can bring to the table about things and how good you are. And then also getting out there and trying new things. Absolutely. Making new friends with people. I remember a buddy took me surfing and that wasn't something that I had done in 20 years. And it reminded me just, first of all, about trying new things, about difficult challenges in my life and how still they could be fun, but also that there were more opportunities to get out there and try things that I hadn't done in a long time. And so that's been just a boon in of itself because you remind yourself, A, of things that you may have lost. And you also inspire yourself and also surprise yourself. You'd be like, I didn't know I liked those things. And those things can be really fun. And I didn't know those things about myself. And that's the interesting thing is that marriage is a real liberating process. I wonder, or it's not marriage, but I would say divorce is a real liberating process. Yeah. Marriage, I think, is a settling process. It could be liberating. It should be liberating in the sense that each person gives you what you need to reach your highest and fullest potential as an individual in your life. That's what it means to be really spiritually liberated to live your life like you want to see fit regardless of what else is around you. But marriage doesn't always allow for that. Marriage says, hold on, we've got something going here. So you're not about to go and get a motorcycle and start doing backflips <laughs> off of it because then you may not be around anymore. And that's not what we had planned. So settle into what you got here. Divorce, on the other hand, can say, wait a second. I really am filtering this through my own lens now. And it's not about permission, but it is about what I want to do and what's good for me. Yeah. not necessarily what's good for my marriage. 
And so there really is a beautiful opportunity in which you can say, I can become a whole new Noam. Yeah. Or I can become a whole new Per. That's how it's pronounced. Per. 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 Being able to do that, I think, has amazing opportunities in life, but we have to market it that way. It could be that like your best life is waiting for you after your marriage. I don't know, but like that would be a real inspiring thing, I think, for people to hear. The thing is, when I started realizing that was actually after, right after the divorce papers were signed, I started dating for about a, a year. And I just dated because I was lonely. I was not feeling good and just wanted to get, get to know people. And it's like, after one year of dating, it was just to fill this void inside of me. And after a year, I just decided that this is not any good to keep on dating. So I stopped dating for two years and uh, just focused on me, fixing me and uh, spending time with other friends, no dating whatsoever. And then I actually started playing tennis a year and a half ago. And I met this amazing girl on the tennis court six months ago, just That's organically. Wonderful. wasn't even looking. And uh, it was definitely a lot thanks to me doing, I think, the work. Because I wasn't feeling like I was so lonely. But then I started to, to gain other friends. And then I wasn't lonely anymore. I started feeling totally okay to be by myself and not feeling lonely. And that was a really awesome way to feel, to be able to be me all the time, not to have to pretend to have masks up, etc. And that's the outcome for me through this divorce definitely been some of the most powerful things is to be transparent, to be me anywhere, to not have to worry about what other people think, etc. And that's very cool. It's very attractive too, to be able to be authentic, to be, to be who you really are incredibly attractive. It's incredibly attractive for other people to see that person is comfortable in their own skin. Exactly. And walk around confidently in it. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. But I was very uncomfortable, especially growing up, thinking about maybe everybody thinks about that. You know, what do other people think? But everybody thinks that. So it's actually nobody thinks about what you look like. <laughs> That's exactly right. Nobody cares about what you really look like. Yeah. About yeah and it's true. It's true, actually. But we get worked up in it. We think, oh, my God, everyone's going to judge me, probably because we're judging other people. But that's not just it's just not the case. Cool. Hey, Noam, this has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. So much fun. And it's, it, it is a journey. And I think it's a great journey where you are able to share your story. And it's going to bring hope to people that are listening. There are people that are out there right now navigating this process. And that's why I started this podcast, to be a hope for people, to be a catalyst to people to, to live this life, to make this life. It's an awesome life. It doesn't have to be a death and, and a continual downward spiral. Turn it into an upward spiral that keeps on going. So thank you so much for being transparent and open, wanting to share the, your story. My pleasure. This has been a lot of fun, Per. Thank you for having me on here. And I'm glad we finally got a chance to sit down and talk as two faith-based people about what this major moment in your life can be like and how to, you know, I think, make the most of it in sacred ways. Yeah, it's so awesome. Thank you so much.